0: Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hey, guys, what's up? It's your girl, Kate, here. And I am so excited that we have been doing this series because we have been getting the best feedback from you guys. I want to know, though, Truly, if this is your first time tuning in or you haven't let us know what you thought about this season so far, would you let us know? Would you write a review here on iTunes or would you personally message us on Instagram or write us an email? That would mean a lot. We really take your feedback into consideration. We really want to hear how this has impacted you in a powerful way. So please, please, please let us know. Now, as a reminder, our vision for this season is to cover ambiguous hot topics for the population of Christian singles in the area of sexuality in an honest and godly way jj and i's primary mission is to debunk myths surrounding sex expectations and discovering a healthy godly sexual ethic as a single as we also address the roots of unhealthy sexual ethic or toxic sexual ethic and dive into nuanced topics like porn lust attraction and newlywed sex all from a biblical lens So far, we have shared our sex story with you, which included both of our past and what we did previous to meeting one another to really heal from our past and what that looked like. Then we also talked about the nuanced conversations that JJ and I had in our engagement season leading up to getting married. And then we talked about how it actually went on our wedding night and during our honeymoon. And for those of you with a sexual past, I really want to encourage you to listen to that episode because we really talked about how it can be so redeeming. Sex and marriage, when you are in a safe and holy relationship, sex and marriage can be so healing and redeeming. So I want you to go back and listen to that episode because what we share in that story in that episode about our story is just so powerful and so healing. So really 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 go back and listen to that first episode. Last week we spoke to Gary Thomas, who's a dear friend of ours and a best-selling author of so many books including The Sacred Search and Sacred Marriage. Both books are so good and if you're single right now, you got to order The Sacred Search, okay? now gary laid down and renewed a godly shame-free foundation of sex for us for those of you that were brought up in purity culture like me It is so important to do this healing work to really come back to what does God say about sex and how do we see sex in a healthy, godly way, free of shame? If we don't have a deep why, we're not going to stick to the boundaries that we're trying to set in singleness. So this is so, so, so important. It should not be set based on a rule list of do this and don't do that. So go take a listen to that episode. It is so, so, so good. Now, today, we have a treat for you because our best friends in the entire world, Nika and Emeka Ahedabo, are coming to the show to share about their journey, okay? And it is so good, you guys. They both have wild stories from their past mixed with a lot of sexual pain and brokenness. And also, they have been on such a phenomenal journey of healing. And today, we talked about the reality of sexual trauma and PTSD from sexual experiences in the past, which is a very real thing and a reality for so many people, including myself. And we also talked about that on your wedding night, sometimes sex is not even a reality or sex. You may have sex, but it might not be this explosive fireworks, amazing, sexy, hot thing that you think it's going to be. Now, JJ and I did share our story related to sex on our wedding night, and it was so redeeming. However, that is not necessarily the case for every person. And we really wanted to highlight that sex in marriage isn't always this perfect fairy tale thing. Okay. It's definitely not. And so we really hope that you listen to this conversation today, it is so powerful. Nika and Emeka met in New York City where she worked as a luxury fashion merchandiser and he owned and managed Michelin-level restaurants. They moved to the Philippines shortly after getting married to work with and empower women and men who had been rescued from sex slavery. So amazing. After the birth of their daughter, Zion, they launched a family social media brand where they tell authentic, relatable, and inspiring stories about marriage and parenthood while sharing what they love with their audience. You guys, I'm telling you, Nika and Emeka are doing such phenomenal things on TikTok. You need to go and follow them on TikTok and on Instagram. They literally have millions of followers and they are so authentic with everything that they do. Their content is both moving and hilarious like i get so excited to go on tiktok only to see nika and emeka's videos because i really don't go on tiktok for any other reason and you just got to check them out you'll see what i mean once you go check them out And not only that, but we have so much history with them. Nika is literally my best friend, my soul sister. We go back 10 years in time and now JJ and Emeka have formed a bromance best friendship and it is the most incredible thing. So there's so much history there. And uh, Nika and I will share a little bit about our beautiful story of how we met and God's timing and all of that after an abusive relationship. It is just so cool. So we can't wait for you guys to hear from them today. Now, without further ado, let's get into this episode with Nika and Emeka Ejarebo. Wow. Today we have on the podcast my very best friends in the entire world. You guys don't even understand how excited me and JJ are today for this episode with Nika and Emeka.
1: Hi, guys.
2: Hey. (laughs) Hey, guys. How you doing?
1: Okay, Caitlin, I might be the only person who calls you that. I am so proud of you and to see you in your element right now. Five years in the making, this was a prayer and now it's a reality and the man we've been praying for is sitting next to you. I can't believe it.
0: (gasps) It's honestly so surreal. Like, Our story deserves its own episode. At some point, we will have to do that because you guys don't understand, like, Nika was my co-mate of honor. She has been by my side for the last 10 years. She saw me through the, the end of the worst relationship and time in my life and one of the hardest times in her life. And God uniquely brought us together in such a hard season to be the blessing that we both needed to help us heal and get out of those horrible, toxic situations. Just like, and for you to have been, we've been in this journey now of like from brokenness, abusive relationships, to meeting amazing men, obviously Emeka, to now sitting here, both living in our purpose and calling, because we're going to have to talk about what y'all do for in just a second. Um, and then Mecca, my gosh, and seeing Emeka and JJ now, you guys.
2: That's my That's my other best friend.
3: G-g. Yeah, Mecca's my best friend, big brother, grandpa. Like he's <laughs> everything in one <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm the Padawan, he's a master sensei. Aww. So it's been amazing and yeah. we tell people all the time. Like, Nika and Emeka, like, yeah, mm. we wouldn't be married if we didn't have them in our life. Yeah, we, didn't, we would not be here today if we didn't have the counsel and the support of you two in yeah. the relationship. And, of course, we'll never forget the first night we met, <laughs> which was on Zoom. So we're in a full circle moment.
0: Literally. Can you just say, just for a brief second, because people don't know our whole story. I can't even believe it. Like, there's so much that people don't know about our stories and how much like our best friendship and it's wild. I'm like, you guys are just getting introduced to like m- my very, my people right now, which is so crazy. But would you, would you tell us just a little bit before we get into this amazing episode about the night that you guys met Emeka and like what you said and Emeka, how you were in the background. I just need them to hear this. That's so it's so funny. funny.
3: Yeah. <laughs> we'll hear from Nick and Emeka's perspective.
2: You know, that, that night, there was well, look, I, I I think I'm gonna be just I'm gonna be slightly maybe overly honest, you know. There was a guy that Kate was dating that seemed a little gayish. Not really sure what <laughs> his situation was because he he loved so out out, out, out loud, right? Yeah. So there was questions, right? And
1: he was like I, a sensitive guy, he, who super tapped into her super heart, super
2: sensitive, right? <laughs> who's um,
1: passionate? Is he?
2: <laughs> well, you know, see. well, you know, and 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 I don't want to play too much with it, with with the the phraseology because, um, you know, it's 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 a tough thing when men are categorized incorrectly because they mm. actually are sensitive. And JJ, you're one of the most sensitive men I've ever met, and mm. probably only second to me. All right, <laughs> <That's> um, true. <laughs> it's true, it's actually true, but that day was full of tough conversations. Yeah. Um, and I looked you in the eye and I, and I told you a few things that probably would have scared about 99% of men away. Yeah. Um, and it was beautiful to watch you Commit to this young lady with reckless abandon, Mm -hmm. and it's the only kind of abandon. It's the only kind of situation that God can infuse in a man. It's it's not, you know, it's not something a man can do and and succeed. Uh, Many men have said, "Hey, I'll climb the, I'll climb climb Mount Everest," and then they lose their fingers, toes, and all the weirds. You know, Um, you climb the mountain, you conquered the mountain, but you recognize that you did it with a power that was not yours amen and that's the beauty that's the beauty of what god can do in a, in a man's life and babe i'd love to hear a little bit about your take on on that day what your perspective was
1: i was not having it i pride <laughs> myself on being the gatekeeper of a heart second to the holy spirit uh-huh. and i've seen too many things and i prayed to god before she met you jj and i asked him I I was on my knees. Every time she's had a heartbreak, I feel like part of my heart breaks too. Cause Mm -hmm. I honestly feel like we're twins. I feel like we're twins in many ways. (laughs) And I I asked God, I said, let this be the last one, the next one, because Kate, your last breakup, you you said tearfully on the phone, I just want to rest. I'm tired. Mm -hmm. You're a God of miracles. Let, Let this be the last one. And so when she I was one of the last that you introduced him to because yeah. you sure. And when I got the phone call, I was like, totally ready to give JJ the biggest fight of his life. I mean, I came <laughs> like a, you know, CIA detective, just like ready to go, no mercy. And the last thing I said to JJ, you, JJ, in-
2: we were planning, I, I was tasked with planning where to hide your body. So,
1: yeah. <laughs> Not like we already lined <sighs> up. We were like, we're going to put him through fire because Kate, no one is good enough for Kate. And so when I first met you, I tried really hard to put on like my, my poker face. And I was like, I- I'm going to put you through the ringer. Like, this is my. Like I, I'm my sister's keeper, so I'm I'm gonna really put you through a hard line of questioning. You're gonna have to go through a lot of family members. Kate is secretly, you know, part Filipino because my <laughs> family, my dad's a pastor. Um, are you ready for this? Because I'm gonna put you through some hard stuff. And I'll never forget JJ said to me with the most beautiful humility but strength. He said, "Do your worst. I'm here to stay." Mm. and the rest was history we okay. didn't mean to become best friends on the first first call <laughs> but we did and we love you my father who is oh you know I my daughter, appreciate Look, your wedding
2: dr pastor butch yeah daddy
1: diwa said you know the the morning of your wedding i believe or maybe no there was the morning after your wedding with tears in his eyes i don't oh. even know Done that for a Mecca or Marcus. No offense, honey. But he did say to me, he could barely say it. He was like choking back tears. He said, Th- That's the son. Like, that's the son I've always wanted.
2: Oh. Sorry,
1: that's awkward for you, Emeka. Like, <laughs>
0: but See, that's-, that's the
2: son. I'm the black son. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> He's got both.
1: <laughs> he's got both. He's got Italian. He's got Nigerian. He's got and one last thing. One last thing. We have a lot of history, guys. So try to keep up. There's a lot of stuff we're trying to jam into this, this one podcast. But I did say to Kate, if you mess this up, we're taking him and you're out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I specifically remember that. I was like, okay. <laughs> Noted. Noted. I'm being replaced.
3: <laughs> I would happily accept that bargain too cuz <laughs> I love the Diwa family and Papa Diwa, Nika's dad. I re- I feel the same way. He really is the father that I wish I had here on earth and mm. I do think I'm just so grateful that he was Kate's spiritual father for so long mm. and It's just so funny. The story between you two, Nika and Kate, has just been wrapped in God's narrative. It's had his penmanship all over it. You couldn't manufacture a story like this in your wildest dreams. And so it really has been totally unexpected. That's been a big word for us lately. And speaking of unexpected... That is what we're going to be talking about in this episode, because really, I mean, you go into the wedding night and it's almost like playing Uno, like you don't know what card you're going to draw (laughs) and how it's going to go down. And so
0: before we do that, though, because I can't wait, I want you guys to tell everyone what you're up to, because also speaking of unexpected, like what God has done in your lives the past, like almost two years is insane and amazing. And I... Like you guys are the most real, hilarious, fun people to watch on the internet. And and I can genuinely say this because you guys have to go look them up after this, but you truly are the same, like the same on all your videos, on TikTok, as you are in real life. Like you guys genuinely are that funny and that authentic and that real. And I just love it. I love and I also I love how God has woven your story where that is now what you guys are doing. Like it is just so amazing. So tell tell everybody what you do really quick.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're digital storytellers online on Instagram and on TikTok. And we it started as a platform for me to talk about my postpartum depression mm-hmm. and how we almost got divorced after we mm-hmm. had our first baby because we were not equipped in the ways that. We are today, and so we're so grateful for a platform to be really honest and silly, and to promote this amazing platform. Part of dating, (laughs) everyone always gets so excited. There's a significant portion of my DMs that say, "You know Kate Tomlin?" (laughs) I'm like, I know too much about Kate.
0: (laughs) I know everything about her.
1: I know all the things.
0: We knew
2: Kate Diamond when she was platinum blonde and fur coats. Yeah, exactly. That's the Kate Diamond we knew.
3: Well, they say fashion is cyclical, so we'll just have to see when that comes back.
0: JJ oh, JJ's <laughs> hoping for it. Okay.
3: Well... And for Nika and Emeka, I think what I love about what you guys do, it's the definition of what God has given you to steward Mm. to his glory and his purpose, whatever it looks like. And what Nika and Emeka won't say is they have a massive, massive following. Mm -hmm. And if this is how God works in 2022, 2023, where Christian couples who walk in wisdom and purpose, who have millions of followers now on the internet... And that's how he gets to speak about his story. Mm-hmm. And that, that's how he gets to exemplify what coveted marriage looks like, what a husband who loves and supports and yeah. cherishes his wife looks like. Half the time I'm laughing and crying at your videos because they're funny. And the other time I'm just crying and I'm challenged because I just see the way that Mecca loves his bride and it's so foreign mm-hmm. to the cultural eye. Yeah. It is a, an enigma the way he cherishes and asks questions and how Nika's feelings and emotions are never too much. And that is from a Christian lens where that's like my standard. Imagine that times 10 for a cultural standard that's never even seen that yeah, exemplified in exactly, a marriage. Dude. And so they're doing that on TikTok, on Instagram, give them a follow up and you will not regret it.
0: It's so it'll be the best part of your days. OK, I know you're the highest in my algorithm. Every <laughs> time I get on my phone and you post something new, I'm like, I like
1: always shows up and I love it. So you're the number love one get you. on everything. It's always whenever you post. I'm the first one who sees it. Um, you know, it's funny because for anyone who does follow us, you should see where we started. OK, uh, yes. don't be deceived. And I guess we'll get into that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because it takes a lot of work to wear, like, even in the dynamics that you guys are now showcasing, even in your marriage and in your relationship and being parents. So, okay. Today we're talking about the truth about sex on your wedding night. And because a lot of people have, especially Christians, okay, um, Christians who specifically have waited to have sex till marriage, there is this, like, A lot of people's mentality is like, I've waited, and therefore, um, on my wedding night, it's going to be so sexy and so wild and so amazing and so connected. And like, immediately the switch will turn on, and I will just, everything will flow and be awesome. And the reality is sometimes, okay, sometimes it happens like that sometimes but a lot of times and a lot of stories are not like that and especially for women i think that have been abused and men who have been abused as well or for or for women or men who've been deeply indoctrinated in the purity culture and a lot of shame a lot of times sex in the beginning is not wild and amazing or even enjoyable at all and there can be a lot of fear and there can be a lot of shame and so we're going to talk about all that. I know you got your guys' story and it's just so encouraging. And so I want to start by setting the stage. And here first, I want to hear about what it was like on your wedding night. But before that, I want to know like, what were the expectations you both had, like individually or even together, about sex on your wedding night?
1: I love to tell the story, Kate. You probably know which one I'm going to tell because I feel like it just sums up everything in a really short anecdote. So I had been in six years of abusive relationships, all kinds of abuse on the entire spectrum before I met my husband. So he was my first healthy relationship, right? So I didn't know how to receive love that is pure and kind and unconditional and selfless. And so I was very skeptical. And because I was so nervous, and skittish, and hesitant, and scared, Emeka made a leadership decision that is not a blanket thing that he believes every man should follow, but for us, he wanted to show me other ways to be intimate other than physical, because I basically experienced too much physical in all the years of my dating, and so he made a boundary for us that we would not be alone unless someone else was there just so that I could feel fortified and safe and I didn't realize until he made that boundary that I really needed it yeah, yeah at that time and yeah. we were a month out before getting married and engaged and we went back to my apartment but my roommate who was supposed to be there wasn't there and so he refused to come inside the apartment and it really triggered me because I felt like up until that point, I had been believing the lie that sex was a currency for affection and that I had to perform and prove myself. And so I translated mm-hmm. him not coming into the apartment as he thinks I'm too much or yeah. I'm not good enough or I'm not beautiful enough or
2: mm-hmm. fill
1: in the blanks, right? And so I had a total tantrum, freaked out. Anyways, I didn't understand why he stuck to that conviction until like a week later, we were sitting on my couch and he was tickling my foot and touched my ankle in a way that reminded me of my ex who used to drag me across the floor by my Mm. ankle. I didn't want to go somewhere that he wanted me to go. He was really Mm. domineering in that way and very physically and sexually abusive. And in that moment, I had my first major PTSD episode where in the um, community of people who are survivors of abuse, we call it you just see red,
2: you know, mm-hmm. long
1: it goes out the window, your cerebral cortex just shuts down and your amygdala just like everything fires up in your brain. And in that moment, it was my ex in front of me, not my loving, kind, steadfast, faithful fiance. And I hit Emeka thinking he was my ex really hard and it was humiliating. And I remember I gave back the ring and I said, I get it. I'm too broken. Please just leave. I'm so embarrassed. And he said to me, He picked me up off the floor and gave me back my ring and said to me, if for the rest of our life, all we can do is just hold hands, I choose you over and over again. And so that really set the stage for my expectations going into the honeymoon. As you can imagine, if even being touched on the ankle was very triggering for me you can imagine the fear that was in my body and in my heart and just all the feelings of inadequacy that i brought with me into that honeymoon space you can only imagine yeah i feel like that kind of sets the stage
2: yeah
1: wow
2: well um from that telling i I sound pretty cool actually (laughs) yeah you do you
3: sound like a marvel character
2: (laughs) But the the reality of the fact is I'm no less a scoundrel than than the worst of them. In truth, you know, I've had a a really conflicted and tumultuous past. And um, Mm -hmm. so much so that even before I met Nix, I got to a crossroad where, you know, I had to choose life or death. And it wasn't death... um, in a way where, you know, you die and you get to come back and do it all over again. It was, it was a, it was just a profound finality that the Lord sort of presented. And it mm-hmm. wasn't a punishment, it wasn't a threat. The Lord was like, this is the way you've been living your life. Um, and he kind of showed me who I was in totality, in, in you know, the full, the full, um, full force of it, um, And it was so, so powerful because Mm -hmm. there was only one thread, one thread left. Um, And that thread I had to hold on to. Um, And that thread was all of it and it was everything. So holding fast to that thread, um, it gave me more wisdom than I had ever beheld in my entire life. It gave me more steadfastness. It gave me more grace. Um, so I was in my, I was in the word every day
1: mm-hmm. and the
2: Lord just began to lead me and yeah. lead me and lead me. So even as she tells the stories, it wasn't my wisdom. It was that thread that I was Amen. holding on to. And that thread became to shape and mold me uh, and turn me into a person that I didn't even recognize. Mm-hmm. But you go yeah. so deep in, into your relationship with the Lord that the old you, you can't recognize anymore. So I'm in. Yeah. This perfect space in between where the Lord, where I have no choice but to just follow what the Lord is telling me. Right. So coming into the wedding night, the Lord just said, Hey, be calm. I'm going to show you some stuff. And I was like, Really? He was like, No, not like that.
3: Not like that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to show you some stuff. Um, and so I was ready or the unexpected, but I was in a holding pattern, and I was just waiting on waiting on the next instruction from the Lord. That's it's it. so
3: good. Mm. So, did you even expect to have sex on your wedding night, Emeka?
2: To be honest with you, no. I oh. said, to, said to my wife, I said, hey, look, maybe we just take a bath together. Maybe mm. that's all So sweet.
3: I'm very sweet. You guys are going to make me cry. Uh,
0: oh. <laughs> so what we want to know... How did that go? What happened on the wedding night? There's so much leading up to Like what to actually it happened? And
2: yeah. Mike, we haven't talked about this in, what, seven years? I don't
1: think we've ever <laughs> talked about it um, since then. I know. I remembered the story, though. <laughs> but, we talked to you guys. I don't think we've talked about it since then. I actually started and picked a little bit of a fight with you at the end of our wedding. I don't know if you remembered, I got a little sassy because I was basically trying to do everything I could to prolong the honeymoon situation. Mm-hmm. And then after our wedding, I said to my godparents who were driving us to our hotel, I said, can we stop by Whataburger? That's and the- right really, really long. And I said, perfect.
2: <laughs> <laughs> very
1: nervous. And we finally got there and my heart was beating out of my chest and I was feeling so insecure. And I went and got dressed because I had this whole outfit planned, but I was not feeling sexy. I was feeling very insecure. And Emeka, when I came out of the bathroom, you were so calm. You were just so steady the whole time. And I said, I'm hungry. And you said, okay, well, would you like to have a picnic on the bed? And I said, yes, let's make it a really long picnic. So I remember you took the water, <laughs> put it out like a spread on the bed. And I ate really slowly.
3: <laughs> You're like, yeah. like, are you okay? <laughs> and
1: when the final crumb of the chicken tender was gone. I was like, Oh my God. And so I like got <laughs> under the blanket on the opposite, far opposite side of the bed. And I just remember you just said, let's talk. And I'll never forget. I go, so how was your day? <laughs> <laughs> this is our wedding day. Okay? <laughs> so have a good day. And I remember over the course Several hours we started on the opposite ends of the bed and then we slowly just inched inch by inch until we were closer together and I did really want to try to actually engage in full intimacy with you Mm -hmm. because God really already impressed upon my heart being in the word and I just felt ready And you never pressured, you kept just being such a gentleman the entire time, but it was just so awkward. And I remember like it hurt, physically hurt, but I just remember feeling like I have never experienced this kind of awkwardness and safety Mm -hmm. and me feeling like I didn't know what I was doing, but you stayed Daddy, the entire time. And I don't even know, honestly, if it was like, maybe some people even could say that it, you didn't have full sex the first night. I remember it hurt, so mm-hmm. I know that it was something, but I know also my body was completely tense. And you have to remember also for mm-hmm. those who are listening mm-hmm. before Emeka, I was sexually <clears throat> active at an extremely young age and I was forced By some pretty, in some pretty depraved circumstances. Mm -hmm. I'd probably say depraved men because people who did what they did to me were also victims of abuse in their own Mm -hmm. right. Um, But they would force me to do things that they had learned and wanted to emulate from pornography. Mm -hmm. So I learned a lot of quote unquote hot tricks and some crazy things that were to the world impressive. But if someone who is young and doesn't actually have intimacy is trying these things, it's very damaging and confusing and Mm -hmm. goes against what true intimacy designed by God looks like. Mm -hmm. And so I was very out of my element because I was used to being by the world standard, a sex expert. Like I was giving advice to people yeah. about how to, you know, like we went there. And now I'm realizing, oh my gosh, nakedness is not the same thing as vulnerability. Mm. Oh my gosh. And in that space, I was completely inexperienced. Mm.
3: So about good. About,
1: wow. Yeah, what about I'm so curious about my so work. I don't remember actually hearing this from your side of the story. So I'm nervous, but well, let's go. I,
2: I, I recall the, um, the picnic. It was divine. <laughs> 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 to, be honest, to be honest with you, I didn't notice a time. Every moment with you was was a joyful eternity that I could have just, I could have stayed there forever. Um, and the mm-hmm. conversation was extraordinary. And the cadence that we were moving, I was like, Ooh, what's she up to? Is she coming up? Because no joke, my love, I was, you know, there's so much. There's so much in a wedding that is miraculous. Um, I'm, I still don't know how I paid for it all. <laughs> we had an extraordinary suite. Like that suite was sweet. And I'm looking at this. I'm looking at this extraordinary room. This this like penthouse room that we had. And I was like how did i how did god how did you do all of this i was just so perfectly aligned with, with just gratitude and grace that anything could have happened anything could have happened and i would have you know it, it is, i don't think it's a matter of silver lining but my joy was just bursting so my expectation was hey let's have an awesome conversation because oh my goodness after all of these mofos in my face all day, all of the energy, all of the pageantry of this of this celebration, which I enjoyed, right? Yeah. The wedding it went down the way that we wanted to, and it was good. But it was like, I just get to be with my best friend. So there was no expectation, there was no, you know, burning passionate desire, I must taste that fruit.
1: Could you no. tell that I was scared?
2: I could tell that you were nervous. I could tell that you were scared. I could tell at it, moments that you were that you were terrified. But again, I'm holding on to this thread. And the thread, and as I'm holding on to the thread, it was like ratatouille, you know, the lower just like, <laughs> and he, was like do this. he was like, do this. I'm like ratatouille. Yes. <laughs> you can I love tell that. you have
0: a a, do- a little girl <laughs> ratatouille i love it
2: great movie
0: oh my gosh so good but that's so you know and that's the thing is that there is a lot of the reality that there is a lot of anxiety and fear sometimes for people mm-hmm. about their wedding night or leading up to it based on whatever expectations they have or whatever happened to them in their past and like they're you know and you had done a lot of healing and but like same with me but I still like for me and I I, you got married sooner after everything you had experienced and for me it was like years and years later so I had even more time in singleness to really heal in singleness but there was still like some levels of anxiety and mainly nerve-sidedness but there is like oh my gosh like what what is what and um I think that that is that is normal like I think we should talk about how that, that is totally okay if you have some anxiety and fear. And, um, but Within that, whoever does have the anxiety, oftentimes it is women, but guys may as well, um, what is the role of the other person to not have and impose the specific expectation of like sex needs to happen? Because even though you guys did do or have sex it, to an extent on your wedding night, you very well couldn't have, may have not, and some people don't, right? And, and then they feel like they're a failure afterwards or there's something wrong or their whole connection is off or like, should I even gotten married? Like, does this person even want me? Mm -hmm. Which is such an awful. No, like just because you don't have sex on your wedding night or just because it's not the most mind blowing sex of your entire life on your wedding night or even on your honeymoon, (laughs) because we can talk about that. Like, it doesn't mean that this isn't a beautiful, godly ordained union. And there should be space for us to be able to have to like realistic expectations there should be space for us to work through the fear and work through the anxiety
2: we all have been sort of pervasively permeated by these ideas about sex yeah um, you know so, it, it, i think it's fair to say societally and i don't want to i don't want to um uh, pass aspersions on that that company that starts with d um and has the mouse um but they've sold us a lot of they've sold us a lot of A lot of ideas about intimacy and, um, you know, the idea of happily ever after. So it's almost like I have sex happily ever after. Um, I get married happily ever after. Right. And all these things, so there's these all these happily ever afters that we expect, but when you come to that that bridge and you cross it and you're now at the other side of the bridge, you can't go back, and you're like, "Right, holy heck, there is no happy ever after." Yeah. Actually, what there is is a vast wilderness, and I don't know what direction to mm. go into. Yeah. Um, so, right. you know, that was something that my wife and I um, definitely dealt with. Or, you know, having to, you know, the Lord sort of held a lot of that stuff at bay in that space. It was like a, it was just almost like, you know, it was such a divine, um, nest, like a nest that the Lord had just placed us in where yeah. all the troubles of the world, right, because we were obedient, had been sort of set aside. I could tell you. After, as we began to live our lives, we had to revisit a lot re- revisit a lot of those issues and challenges and mm-hmm. have to really confront the fairy tale ideas versus reality. And right. part of what has hurt us <laughs> the most was the expectations that these things shouldn't be happening when if you know Jesus, you know the difficulty. The truth is they should be happening and getting through the difficulty is what allows you to grow. That's right. Um,
3: The cultural expectation sets us up for nothing but disappointment. mm -hmm. It promises the world and it delivers nothing.
0: Uh, And there's this expectation, which we don't have to get all into, but I think for a lot of people that have waited until marriage to have sex, Mm -hmm. whether they have a past and then recommitted themselves to waiting or whether they've waited their whole life, they on their wedding night, it's like there's this expectation that now I deserve or it should be all of these things. And there is a reality that sex can be hard and difficult and nuanced. And it is especially inside of marriage. It's not what people picture with this within the movies, like where it's like, which is so unrealistic with so much of it, because it's like, all of a sudden, in a moment, I look at him across the room, and then all of my clothes fly off. And then it's like, and then afterwards, we just cuddle together and we fall perfectly asleep. I'm like, what? In what world is that what happens all the time? Like, what?
3: Right.
1: (laughs) And you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say the thing that you're not supposed to say, but pornography plays a huge part in that and in the Christian community. I know that a lot of people are listening to this, and they're like, "Oh my God, she—did she, she see my history, my browsing history?" Hey, we struggle with this in the Christian community too, and yeah. not just men, yeah. women too, you know. And at a very early age, I was forced to again emulate some images that were really not realistic at all, and so not only are we jousting with what looks like soft pornography on Mm -hmm. netflix and you know just not even porn sites but then there's this wide spectrum of you know actual pornography that is so accessible on phones and that entire thing society's expectations it's so unrealistic you see this woman who has barely met this person. And all of a sudden they're just having mind blowing sex. And it's not, God says in the Bible that I designed you intricately wove you into this beautiful tapestry. And we love the way that sounds. But then in the honeymoon, we get frustrated that it takes time to unwrap and unravel and yeah. you get frustrated. Why can't I have this totally free uninhibited sex? And God is like, Because you are intricate and I made you for pursuit. And Mm -hmm. so you are designed to be peeled back layer by layer. You're designed to be taken on dates for the man to learn your love language and vice versa. And the more you do that, the wilder and more uninhibited sex is. Mm -hmm.
0: Yes. I was listening to an interview recently that said the people with the best it was a researchers, John and Julie Gottman, who are incredible researchers and therapists, counselors. And they, um, said the people it's been, a study was shown that the people that have the best sex lives, um, it has nothing to do with like performance or positions or like all those things, even though that can make things fun. It has everything to do with other types of connection. So, the the people with the best sex lives like affirmed each other consistently, um, had what they are big on are bids for attention, had consistently um, active or positive bids for attention, which they say eight out of 10, you should accept eight out of 10 bids for attention. Um, they had a curiosity about their partner. And so those three things, things—just even those, appreciation and affirmation, bids for attention, and um, what was the last one? Curiosity. Those were more of a predictor for healthy sex life than anything else for in couples. And it, it was like it's these couples were like, yeah, I mean, and it was like they could be having, quote unquote, vanilla sex. OK, I'm saying vanilla, but like basic. But for them, it was like so connected. It doesn't have to be necessarily all of this. Isn't that crazy amazing stuff? And I heard that and that's based on research. And I was like, oh, my gosh, we are wired to be pursued. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how God wired us. And so within that, I want to just transition for a moment to talk about Uh, PTSD in women specifically, Um, in this narrative in the church um, that women, they have to sit through sex because... It's the duty of them as a woman to do this for the man. I need to please my husband. I have to have sex with him. I don't enjoy it at all. But as soon as he looks at me and he wants it, all right, I got to do it. And there's so many women that have, especially in your case, like in my case, past abuse, that this is just reinforcing a past narrative of abuse. Like I have to do whatever he wants whenever he wants it. And also, there's so many nuanced layers that also like that sex is only meant for male pleasure, which is also completely skewed. So I'd love to just hear your guys' thoughts on, on this because it is a narrative that many women believe like, oh, I'm not going to enjoy this and I just have to do this because it's going to satisfy the man.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Can I start this one? And I'd love to bounce it off to you, babe. You know, when you are a survivor of abuse... What happens when you're in that cycle psychologically is you are taught to shut your mouth, to silence your voice. And so when you are in a healthy relationship, you've got to train yourself to get out of that cycle and open up your mouth and say what you need to say. And a healthy sex life takes a lot of communication, albeit it may be awkward, right? And so when you're experiencing PTSD, you're believing a past narrative that's telling you Shut your mouth! Don't speak. And a lot of the time, from a woman's perspective, we put so much blame on the past and our husband when we have found challenges starting from our honeymoon. You said, "Honey, you never told me you needed that. I never opened up my mouth because I was taught for so long to silence it."
2: So, right. yeah, I'd
1: love to hear your perspective, like.
0: That's PT. Good. As my husband You're received. not allowed to have a voice or an opinion or say no. Like you're not allowed to say no.
3: Because it's really yeah. it's not about you. No.
0: Right. In this
2: moment. Well,
1: at all.
0: well I, been- I hate
2: to overuse an analogy, but you know, the, the here comes the thread again. Um, you know, my my wife's situation in her past, you know, readily aware and knowing that it's something that we had to be sort of delicate about. Um but the Lord kind of took it many, many steps beyond that and was like, hey, look, I have to reveal some stuff to you. And um, and through some of the healing and the discussions and the exploration that we went through, you know, we you know, one thing that we introduced early on was like, there is no demand. There is no necessity. It doesn't matter how long it takes. We're going to take as long as it takes. Um the only thing that I'm asking in earnest is that we continue to have conversations. Yes. That we continue to have conversations that it isn't just something that we're we're throwing to the wayside and putting off. We're dealing with it the way that the Lord's going to lead us. And what the Lord did, he took me actually down the road where a lot of stuff that was lodged in the past that I had never even in my adult life even been aware of, i.e., I was molested. I didn't even it didn't even register and then the history of being a bald skinny black man where women used to say oh you're beautiful but beautiful wasn't you're beautiful but beautiful was you're a sex symbol you're a tool for my pleasure you're oh. a you, you're a performer right. right and i would get these white girls who would say stuff to me like oh i've never been a black guy before mm-hmm. like oh. first Words out of their mouth, standing in the barn. Never been out of wow. And there's this moment where the world says, oh, yeah, oh, I'm the man. I'm great. I'm this. But I just couldn't explain that little death that I was feeling each time I had to go through that. And once I got into a relationship with my wife, that became very evident and very clear. And what happened was the Lord sort of just paced us just right. Yeah. Yeah. We were on the same trajectory. We were on the same pace. And it meant let's go slow. There was a por- there's portions of our of our marriage where we couldn't have been more intimate with one another yet we were only having sex probably once a month. Yeah.
1: There was a season my PTSD as a woman gave him permission to explore his PTSD as a man. Yeah. Mm, wow. Wow.
3: And I think what I just hear permeating from your story from the very beginning to even this moment is just it's almost like there's no expectation except for the God expectation of Ratatouille. Holy Spirit, <laughs> seriously. Holy Spirit, what's the pace? What what do you want? What is the best according to you? Yeah, And that's also called wisdom, right? That's called wisdom of just leaning on the Ratatouille and guidance. And it's almost like if we had to sum up your story, the best expectation for your wedding night and intimacy is no expectation. Mm. And it's a mindset of, God, what do you have for us? The last thing I want is my agenda. The first thing I want is to please you. Amen.
0: Can I ask you guys one more question on this topic? Because it's just coming up. But I know, and I know the intimacy or the intimate details of your story because they're got you guys are my best friends, right? So um, I'm just remembering, and I, I've just walked with you guys on this journey, especially Uniques. And so I think... There are many people listening that are like, maybe even people married or people are like, I have some abuse in my past and I'm nervous about how long it may take me to actually enjoy sex or connection with my spouse. Um, I I don't know if you want to speak into that or normalize some of that because I think there is like, it's a, there's a permission to say it's okay if it takes time. Um, There actually also may be many women as well that it actually really is painful outside of just the trauma, but just like it's painful, it might take some time to even be okay with that um, and enjoy it. But also, it might take time to to be to make for sex to feel safe in the intimacy, even with as much healing as you've done before marriage, there's still different layers that come up like that you can't fully prepare for. Like there's just different things in marriage that it's like, whoa, I've prepared all that I could. And there's, and then there's that. (laughs) And what about this? And oh, didn't see that one there, you know? And so there's new things that potentially will need more healing.
1: I love how Tim Keller says, I've been married to seven different women and they've all been my wife. Yes. <laughs> That's true for your sex life too. When I say that, I, I mean, there was honeymoon Nika, there was Nika who was pregnant and then there was Nika postpartum who was struggling with depression and just hormones were not permitting any sex to happen. And mm-hmm. then there's the Nika now who has been married for seven years with her husband for nine years who last night got into a fight over sex with her husband, because for the first time I'm feeling liberated and my sex drive has gone up. And sometimes he's tired and wants to rest. And I felt rejected. Yeah, That was a new layer that we had never experienced before. Usually it's honey. I'm so sorry that I can't give you sex more frequently. And now it's like, you're saying no. <laughs> no. So I say all that to say, my loves, it's a journey. It's a journey. Yeah. You are going to be different today than you were on your honeymoon night. And you got to give yourself and your spouse permission to let sanctification do its thing in all aspects, including your intimate life. Mm-hmm. That was uh-huh. like, we got in a huge yeah. argument and, and that lasted till 3 a.m. and we're so grateful <laughs> to follow up on sex. Yeah.
2: Well, I'd like to say Tim Tyler had seven uh, women that he was married to, and I've had fifty and counting. <laughs> <laughs> so He's not lying. It's like every three months. <laughs> wow. <the> <laughs> you know, the, the truth of the matter is there's too many layers to count. Mm-hmm. Um, but all are accounted for Amen.
1: Um,
2: and can only be accounted for if you're plugging into the source. Now yes. um, we're in a new place where, you know, well, I, I just want you to sort of bounce back to, you know, the world, said, you know, there's, there's a, a, a popular school of thought that says, you know, uh, human beings are not created created for monogamy because monogamy can just be too boring. Uh, what? Um, there's nothing boring about where we are. We've been hit. we've been seven years, eight years, nine years in in the making, and the excitement is literally just beginning yes, to is. burst at a level level that is like you. It's unbridled and it's yeah. beautiful, and we're so excited to see what is next and what God is doing next. Our communication is getting stronger and stronger. Uh, yet we stumble and we fall and we skin yeah. our knee figuratively and um, you know and then add, add to it there's anatomical challenges you know yeah. when you don't have sex for a little while oh my goodness there might be some some bleeding or some pain and you know so you have to traverse those things and it's like hey look this Rubik's cube of sex can never get all the colors just right. Unless you're 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 going to the source, and we continue to go back to the source, and that that um, um, difficulty, that challenge that we had last night that lasted till three a.m., mm-hmm. you know what the, what my my natural spirit said, you know, talk about the way you're hurt, and talk about this, and talk about that, but holding on to that thread said, hey, grab a hold of your feet and massage your feet. Sit there and tell her that she's loved and that there's nothing, no challenge that can that can confront you that we're not going to get through. And I'm happy to wait as long as it takes. And the moment that I submitted to that, right back on frequency, right back, you know, Ratatouille's back on my head. And he said, hey, you're not getting in tonight. But there's a night soon that, you know, that's going to tur- curl those, those toes up. Amen. Like the- Amen.
1: I want want to say one thing. I think that that Christians on their honeymoon night, if we focused more on learning how to laugh in the bedroom, just laugh, not take each other so seriously, but give each other space, learn how to laugh instead of focusing so much on being sexy. (laughs) That's actually the best way to go about it.
3: Yeah. Yes. I love it.
0: (laughs) That's so true.
3: It is true.
0: We have to learn to laugh. And part of it is going to be awkward. And it's going to be like, uh, hey.
3: (laughs) That's part of the there's a instagram account called christians to curse sometimes <laughs> and their latest theme lately is uh like christian men on their honeymoon night and they just talk about they use river monsters uh the history tv show and it's pretty funny and it's, it's so very funny. much centered on just laughing about it instead of uh you know the awkward other version of incredibly serious and trying to be sexy so okay so here's what i would say What's very clear is in your story, your testimony, God has just woven so many lessons, Mm -hmm. and that's a testimony to be shared, and that's the platform that you guys have been given to steward. Now, that being said, because I know you guys probably wouldn't change anything per se. However, let me throw a hypothetical out there, okay? You guys just wrapped up your Whataburger feast. You're sitting there locking eyes, kind of starting to think about what's coming, and... (laughs) You have to say, one second, one second. You go outside real quick and you have you today right there and you can give yourself one piece of advice. You can go back in time right before you know, the feast of the feast and you give yourself one piece of advice for marriage about sex. What would you guys go back and tell yourself?
1: What I would say to myself is he means it when he says he's not going anywhere. Mm. that that's a big thing I needed to know. And it was attached to everything else, which is funny because actually, as I said, that I realized full circle that that is when I knew you JJ were the man for Kate is when Mm. you said, do your worst. I'm here to stay. And so Mm. something in women that God put, you know, that is really designed for a pursuit that is ever faithful, because I think something that God designed in us that unlocks intimacy when we realize that we are worth fighting for.
3: It's so good. I just got goosebumps Mm -hmm. from that answer because it was just so wrapped in Holy Spirit and God's just design. Mm -hmm. So awesome.
2: If I could speak to, to that fellow, I'd say, you know, two things, right? I would, I would, um, I would, I would probably give a, a thirty to forty-five minute uh, dissertation um, because <laughs> be, uh, over uh, on the difference between pouring into someone and and expecting to get something out of it, and I'd go through the biblical examples of that and he would probably gloss over and be like, what the heck? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the the most important thing that, that I would say is like, hey, that thread you're holding on to, don't ever let it go. Wow. Amen.
0: You guys, we could literally talk for a whole nother hour on this whole subject and our stories and so many details. But I think what you guys shared today both gives people permission to still be in process of healing, especially as they enter into marriage. And honestly, it's like the theme of the unexpected. It's like, just be prepared for God to do the unexpected. And it doesn't have to be a bad thing. Um, If sex on your wedding night is very unexpected and isn't exactly what you thought it would be, that is okay. Like God is going to use that and work through that. And there is hope for continued healing. And that is the beauty of a healthy marriage dynamic, like of a healthy marriage union. It's like you can continue to be in process and there's space to continue to heal um, throughout your entire journey. That's what it should be. Mm -hmm. And so I just feel like today you guys gave people so much permission to ah breathe when it comes to their wedding night you know it's like man i don't have to have i don't have to maybe be so locked into all this fear and anxiety of what it should be so if you are ma- getting married i hope that both of you guys listen to this episode i think it would be really really good for you to pass this along to your fiance um and if you're not uh, engaged i hope this does help you to release some of the fear and expectations you had around sex on your wedding
1: night.
3: Yeah, I love it. I just, we're so grateful for you guys, your story. Every time you tell any aspect of your story, I'm challenged, mm-hmm. I'm inspired, I'm encouraged to go to the common thread, to listen to the Ratatouille Holy Spirit, you know, on top of my, my head. It's also funny that Mecca's bald because I, you guys must have a special system, you know, like a tap
2: system, you know, <laughs> Hairs there, but they've all been pulled up. The Holy Spirit,
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's a great great way to put it.
1: <laughs> I love that. that's funny, you guys. Oh my gosh, a <laughs> new inside joke! I know, yeah, I
0: love that. you can
3: see how spiritually mature and obedient I mean, is by how many hairs he's lost in his <laughs> <Okay>. head. <laughs>
0: we love you guys so much thank you for sharing your story today and for being so honest and vulnerable about all sorts of details even details that you guys haven't shared or even with each other uh-huh. you know from the very beginning
1: well, it's a joy it's anytime anytime i feel like this is just our conversations except like every day <laughs> this was being recorded honestly i this is just what we do
3: yeah well, um, we love the unexpected and God always writes a better story that we could always, you know, or it could ever manufacture on our own. Mm-hmm. And that is the friendship between us, the bond that we hold that we just have nothing but gratitude for. We have yes. no, we have no response other than just to praise the Lord for a relationship like this. Yes, There's just amen. no other posture we can take yeah. except just true humility and gratefulness. So yeah. Well, we also, love you guys. plug
0: for godly community, you guys. We literally could not have made it without this couple. And there's so much more to that story. We'll have to maybe have you guys on again. But there, it's so important to have godly community like this in your life yep. and in relationships. So. We love you guys. Hey, if you're listening, you have to go right now and check out Nika and Emeka. Go to Nika Diwa on Instagram and TikTok, and you'll see what I mean. Be prepared to laugh till you cry and actually maybe cry from so many of the amazing, fun, and sweet videos that they have going on. It's
3: definitely one of those <laughs> profiles that, like, you go and check out a video from Explorer somebody sent you, and then you're just scrolling for five minutes. I know, like, 10 minutes.
0: We love you guys.
2: More.
0: The Heart of Dating podcast is created by Kate Warman. It is a part of the Converge podcast network. Our incredible editor is the one and only Scott Caro. Our theme music was developed by the amazing Christian Ledoux. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, or if you've never written us a review or ranked us on iTunes, we'd encourage you to do so because it helps us so much to get this podcast into more people's ears. We launch our podcast each and every week on Wednesdays. So we'll see you next week.